Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Gisela Guiar, and I was raised Catholic. You can listen to my personal testimony in the first three episodes. The purpose of this podcast is to share the truth about the salvation of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, or good news, that the New Testament brings us. You may be walking around with a false sense of salvation. I pray that as you hear this message today, that you don't just take my word for it, but start reading the Bible and seeking the truth for yourself. Ask God to open your eyes, your mind, and your heart to hear and understand the truth. God bless you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. The links are in the show notes. There, too, you'll find links to my two favorite Bible study apps, YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. These will make it easy for you to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily, and they're both free. As Paul states in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. The episode will begin after this short message. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, I don't have a prepared blog article for this one because I'm going to be reading from a book a friend of mine gave me. Um, uh, it's called Growing Up Catholic, An Infinitely Funny Guide for the Faithful, the Fallen, and Everyone in Between. I'm not going to mention the authors. There are four different authors and it's interesting because I look at their bios and they're all my age. So we were all growing up Catholic at the same time. Uh, they apparently are still devout Catholics from what I gather in this book. But as you read it, and they're kind of making fun of all of the rituals and everything that the Catholic Church believes and so forth, you kind of wonder how they can still be devout Catholics. Um, but I'm going to be um, reading from here, and hopefully at the end you'll kind of get the gist, like, how can people really believe this? It's so out there. It's so crazy, um, uh, out of the ordinary. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so uh, just bear with me on this one a little bit. So... Um, and towards the end of the book, and the thing is, is I was, I was, I was, I was reading it, and I was thinking, yeah, I remember doing that when I was, you know, in in, in church. And these uh, these four went to Catholic school. I thank God was spared that, because both my parents uh, were divorced before they married and then had me. So I'm legitimate you know, in a marriage, they, because they were divorced, they could not get married in a Catholic church. And to, and I actually remember this, and I must have been like in first grade going into this, this nun's office. It's all dark wood, um, big desk. And her saying, I'm sorry, she can't attend the school, a Catholic school because she's a bastard child. And she used those words because both my parents were divorced before they married and had me, 
and they were not married in the Catholic Church. So I was spared Catholic school because of that. So I ended up going to public school, elementary school in the Bronx. Um, but we had um, catechism class, religious instruction class. It was every Thursday at two o'clock. The priest would come to my school and pick us up and then walk us to the church and we'd have class uh, before um, First Communion and then before Confirmation. Um, but anyway, towards the end of this book, and I said, as I keep reading this book, I just got angrier and angrier of all of the lies that the Catholic Church, you know, uh, tell us that we have to believe. Um, and uh, we're going into the topic of purgatory. Now, I've covered purgatory in some other blog articles and, and podcasts. And so you can you can check them out uh, there. And on my blog, I also have an, uh, an article with, uh, with a video um, about purgatory. And I'll have those links in the show notes. Um, but just listen to this. And I'm reading from page 135 of this book. Purgatory, like traffic court, is a place in, we, in which most decent people are surprised to find themselves. They know they don't belong there. They know somebody's made a terrible mistake. They're being treated like criminals for committing a minor offense. Don't let this happen to you. Unless you take drastic action today, you, like most people, will make a long stop in a heavenly green room on the way to your greater reward. You're a good Catholic, you say. You go to Mass every Sunday and Holy Day and receive communion regularly. You won't die with a mortal sin on your soul, a one-way ticket to hell. You gather indulgences. You say ejaculations, sometimes thousands of them, uh, of, of thousands of them at a time. You go to confession. But the sad truth is that no matter how many indulgences you get, you won't get enough. And no matter how many ejaculations you say, you won't say enough. And if you think that five minutes in the confessional and kazam, all gone, well, not so. You're going to pay for your sins before you go to heaven. And if those venial sins don't seem like a big deal, any of the soul's in purgatory will tell you different. You're playing with fire. When you get to purgatory, and then in parentheses it says, slightly to the east and somewhat to the south of heaven, you'll discover it's hot as hell and probably more crowded. How long will you be there? A long time. How long is long? Who knows? It's the spiritual equivalent of an inter... In indeterminate sentence because the concept of time and purgatory is somewhat more complex than the theory of relativity. One thing is sure, you will need more than an overnight bag. But the most important thing to know about purgatory is that you will get out sooner or later. Exactly when is up to you. You can make advanced preparation for eventual evacuation through the intercession of those you leave behind. Make your family promise to pray for you when you die. Pray for the souls of the faithfully departed. Gather indulgences for them. Give alms in their name. Help spring the souls of those dear to you, and they will return the favor when they are in heaven and your time comes. You can do some things for yourself on earth. Contrition. 
prayer and good works will go a long way toward cutting down your time in purgatory. But since there's almost no way to ensure against having to go there at all, let others do the work for you. Have fun on earth, but be careful, very careful, not to die with a mortal sin on your souls. So what is a mortal sin? What, what, there is no definitive list of mortal and venial sins anywhere. A mortal sin is murder, is one. Um, another one is adultery. Now, adultery covers a lot of topics, okay, So and fornication. So adultery is um, extramarital affairs, and fornication is having sex before marriage. Okay, in today's culture, that's kind of the norm. So just with that sin alone of adultery and fornication, you're guaranteed a place in hell, according to the Catholic Church. All right, now that now that the next section is indulgences. It is a false question to inquire how long purgatory will endure. First, the separated soul no longer lives in the time of this world, but in avum, A-E-V-U-M, that's a Latin word, where duration is not measured in days and years. Second, the soul becomes very conscious of its shortcomings of the actions it has failed to perform or performed poorly or not done at all. And it is wholly intent on making good for these. Thus, the intensity of the suffering could well take place in an instant or could endure for some time without the soul being aware of it. Because of these considerations, theologians have abstained from speculating on the durations of the sufferings of purgatory. Now that supposedly is a quote from the Catholic Encyclopedia, which you can actually access online. But in other words, you never get out. You never get out. Then they go on to say, bear this in mind when the church tells you that you will get, okay, and then they're, now they're listing indulgences, things that you can do to shorten your time in purgatory. Okay, you get 300 days off for saying, my Jesus mercy, or mother of mercy, pray for us, or Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, bless us now at the end and at the hour of our death, or for saying grace after meals. Okay, now I'm reading that correctly. It does say grace after meals. Aren't we supposed to say grace before meals? Second one, 500 days off for saying, most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Three years off for saying the act of faith, the act of hope, the act of love, or the act of contrition. Three years off for blessing yourself with the sign of the cross. Seven years off for using holy water. Five years off for saying, hail, holy queen. Queen who? Elizabeth? Uh, Queen who? Uh, Jezebel? Ah, Jezebel. Uh, that's, that's an interesting character in the Bible. Ten years off for saying the Angelus or the Regina Coeli. I have no idea what that is. Okay. Then we go to a section labeled Limbo. And it's not the dance that you do in a sh um, those rum boats in the Caribbean. 
<sighs> there was a misconception held by some non-Catholics that Catholics believe that they and only they will get to heaven and all others will be consigned to the fiery depths of hell. This is simply not true. Non-Catholics go to limbo. <sighs> The concept of limbo is a perfect example of Catholic benevolence toward those who have not found the one true church. Yes, concept, since no one is quite sure what limbo looks like since its very existence has recently been called into question. And I'm going to skip you, skip forward a little bit here. And later on it says, in any case, the concept of limbo has officially, uh, has been officially abolished. It really is a shame that limbo is no longer with us since the new situation puts us right back into the position of being holier than thou. It also presents us with an entirely new set of theological problems, not the least of which is where did all those pagan babies go? Well, limbo doesn't exist either. Purgatory doesn't exist. So basically it's either heaven or hell. There is no in between. Any babies that die um, as a result of an abortion or in childbirth or, you know, before um, uh, they're, they're, um, they're old enough to understand, they, they're innocent. They're going to heaven. They go to Jesus. Um, if you've read um, the book or seen the movie, Is Heaven for Real?, um, the little boy actually meets um, a little sister that um, uh, the mom had miscarried before. So uh, me personally, I have two siblings waiting for me in heaven because my mom had two miscarriages after I was born. So, and I think that's pretty cool. So I don't know if there's a brother or a sister, but, um, um, but I know there's two, I have two siblings waiting for me in heaven. But you know, when you think about this and everything that I just read, um, when someone is sentenced um, to for committing a crime here on earth, they know how long they'll be in prison. And yes, obviously from, for murder and, and some heinous crimes, uh, you know, they get life imprisonment and depending on how many people they kill, they will get multiple life sentences. Okay, so they're going to be forever in, in prison, uh, or if not into the, the, get a death sentence. Um, but for usual crimes like, you know, stealing and, uh, you know, and everything else and embezzling and all the other crimes that are out there, uh, people may get paroled for good behavior. Okay. But you know, not so with the Catholic church. Um, and then I go back to what I said in my last podcast, if purgatory does exist, that Jesus died for nothing. Um, in the letter of first Peter chapter two, um, verses, uh, 22 to 25. Actually, um, actually I'm going to start in verse 21 for God called you to do good. Even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate, uh, retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who, al who always judges fairly. He, Jesus, 
personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. So again, I say, if purgatory exists, then Jesus died for nothing. The whole idea of Jesus's death and resurrection is that when we repent of our sins, we ask Jesus for our forgiveness, we invite him into our lives, we surrender our lives to him and follow him for the rest of our lives, we are guaranteed a ticket to heaven, a place at his father's home. Um, we are made alive in Christ. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, um, uh, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of your sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Okay, nothing in there says that we go to purgatory. We take a left turn at purgatory and hang out over there for an X number of years until um, uh, God uh, thinks that we've uh, suffered enough and then he'll, he'll let us into heaven. No. No, no, no. Jesus did the suffering for us already. That's what the Catholic Church has wrong. And this is why I'm doing this. I am doing this to, to tell the truth of the gospel. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is just that. We don't have to do anything except just believe, repent, and be baptized. That's it. We don't have to say 10 Hail Marys, 14 Our Fathers, and five acts of contrition. No, we don't have to go to confession every Saturday. No, we only do it once, confess our sins to Jesus, tell people that we've accepted Jesus, that I've you know, renounced the devil and all sin, and I'm, you know, I'm going to repent and stop doing it. So this is, this is what I want you to understand. It's what I want you to see and, and hear and listen. Um, and, you know, don't take my word for it. Read the gospel, the gospel, the, the Bible, the letters of, of Paul, Peter, James, John, they all have this information and they say it over and over and over again. So I, I, I want you all to be, become seekers of the truth and you will find it. Thank you for listening. 
solideo gloria, to God only be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope it's got you thinking. Please feel free to follow me. And if you have any questions, contact me via my website, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. The links to my social profiles are in the show notes. I want to leave you with this prayer from Psalm 40, verse 16. Heavenly Father, may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great! Soli Deo Gloria. Only to God be the glory.